The Daily Tap is live for Monday. The race for the one seed is on. We will talk about the Green Bay Packers, who are the current one seed in the NFC. Talk about the next five games and what kind of competition they are up against. After that, we will talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. They are three and four, but you should not, and I mean not, panic about this basketball team. Next, we'll talk about why the Badgers got a bad break with the schedule. Um, Some observations, too, as I went to the game against Iowa, their dominant win against the Iowa Hawkeyes. So we'll talk about all of that. Excited to get into it. As always, a little different of a Monday as uh, we're not talking about a Packer win or Packer loss, star ratings, all that thing. We did that Friday. If you missed it, go back and listen to it on Friday's show. Let's dive in with the Green Bay Packers. So the Green Bay Packers had a good, almost great Sunday. So the Green Bay Packers saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lose to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, The Packers aren't the only ones to lose to New Orleans. Uh, Tom Brady did not play well in that game, um, and he struggled mightily. A couple big turnovers did look sort of normal. Brady definitely can have games like that. I think New Orleans has a very good uh, defensive scheme against him. I think most teams, I think Green Bay, like uh, Joe Barry should be watching how they how they handle Brady, and that should really be the approach. And I think that should be every team's approach in the NFC going forward because I think that is the way you can beat the, pa- beat the Buccaneers. It's still like ingrained in me to think pa- Brady and Patriots. But you've seen it now three times, right? Brady has not has beat the Saints once in the playoffs. And that game, if Jared Cook doesn't get the ball stripped from him, they might have lost that game. That That is a great what if um, in the grand scheme of things. But the Saints have definitely had... The, pay, uh, the Buccaneers number. God, it's like it's so ingratiated to think Brady and the Patriots. I was thinking about some, another topic that involves Tom Brady for Mitch and I's show later this week. So that's probably also why I, I have that baked in. But anyways, it, it, they definitely struggle. They definitely struggle with them. I really like the Saints in this game. I actually took the Saints. I took the Saints money line. Like I, I feel pretty good about the Saints. And and I know that was kind of counterculture to a lot of the public. Um, it was a great day to fade the public, and I did that, and it worked out well. It was a nice, nice little Sunday for your boy. But yes, the Patriots lose, so they now have two losses. They drop uh, down to the four seed, actually. Weirdly enough, and the Rams, who have one loss, have the five seed. But because they don't have the division tiebreaker over the Arizona Cardinals, the Rams are stuck there at the five spot. Dropping down to the three spot, even though they have one loss, but they have six wins instead of seven, is the Dallas Cowboys. And it nearly was a great Great Sunday for the Packers if the Cowboys would have lost too. Uh, But the Cowboys rose from the dead. Cooper Rush, their backup quarterback, uh, won the game in Minnesota in primetime, one of the hardest stadiums to win in, and Cooper Rush got it done. Kirk Cousins with an abomination of a primetime game, another Kirk Cousins stinker in primetime. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings now 3-5. and five. I think there are a lot of questions about this Vikings team. This seemed like a must-win for Minnesota, and they came out extremely flat. I'm not really sure how that happens, and maybe Minnesota just isn't that good. But the Cowboys do get a win without Dak Prescott. It's unknown whether Dak Prescott will play next week against the Broncos, but that, that will be uh, one of the storylines, I'm sure, heading into the following week. 
But one of the storylines I have coming out of week eight is that the race for the one seed is on in the NFC. There are four teams. They're the Packers. They're the, well, five teams, excuse me. Packers, Cardinals, Rams, Cowboys, and Buccaneers are all going to be vying for that one seed. They're all going to be vying for home field. I think home field matters for a few of these teams. Green Bay is obvious, right? None of these teams want to come to Lambeau in January. They just don't. If you were having a scotch with them, you know, after a game, they would be like, God, we have to make sure we're the one seed to avoid going to freezing cold Lambeau in January. Obviously, the Packers want to use that stadium as a home field advantage. Also, a full crowd of fans versus last year where it was severely limited, I think will make a hell of a lot of difference. You have the Cowboys who, I don't think the Cowboys and Cardinals have a home field advantage as much. At, and I and I would almost put the Rams in there too. I think a lot of them struggle with transplants. I think a lot of them struggle with easy access. I think because Dallas' stadium is so big, I think it's really easy for other teams to get in that stadium. I don't consider uh, AT&T Stadium a tough place to play. The only one where I look at out of this group where I'm like, fuck, we have to go there would be Tampa Bay. Because A, the Buccaneers have been awesome at home. They've been really good at home. And they have not been the same away from home this year. So that to me is, is one thing. And then the other thing is, yeah, they have a really strong fan base. Which I think in a couple of years ago you'd say, oh, again, a big transplant game. A big game where you have all these people coming in from Florida who are not Buccaneers fans to watch this game. I think because of the popularity of Tom Brady, the popularity of this team. I think the Tampa sports fan is kind of underrated because of the Rays. We all think of them, but the thing that gets lost in a shuffle is that that stadium is 30 minutes away from everything popular in Tampa Bay. They have fever support, fevered support for the Tampa Bay Lightning who won the last two Stanley Cups. They have great support for the Buccaneers. So I don't necessarily see Tampa Bay as a, as a fair weather town. Nor do I like Dallas, Arizona maybe, but I think with Dallas it's just how big the stadium is, and it doesn't. It never seems like it's like holy shit. They have this loud ass stadium that is unplayable. Um, I don't never felt AT and T that way. Maybe it'll change when you know. Obviously the Cowboys are really good. We'll see uh, when they play the Raiders on Thanksgiving. I think that'll be our first game where we can really see if that Cowboy crowd is kind of something special. Uh, because the Broncos and Falcons the next two weeks are not necessarily going to uh, give us that answer. The race for the one seed is going to, I don't think, be decided in the next five games. But the next five games will tell us a lot. Realistically, no team is going to probably go 16-1. and one. No team's probably going to go 15-2. and two. It's football. Losses happen. Your best bet is probably a team's going to be 14 and 3. And that is going to be the team that comes out ahead and it takes over that one seeded position. So, looking at these next, these teams' schedules and kind of evaluating where we will be in December, and I, I'll tell you right now, it's probably going to be a topic in December as well. Um, where will we see the one seed by the start of? Christmas season or after Thanksgiving when the dust is settled where will we be with the one seed so I'm going to look at the next five games for each team and kind of evaluate what the win-loss total should be at 
the end of those five games. The reason I did five versus four works in a Packer buy. So, and then that kind of brings everybody to even. Then every team in this grouping of five will have a bye week. So Packers' next five games are at Kansas City, home for Seattle, at Minnesota, home for the Rams. It's not an easy four games at all, right? The Chiefs have looked like a shell of themselves. Uh, we'll see how they look against the Giants tonight. Um, I think that game will tell us a little bit about what we're going up against next week. And then the Seahawks could have Russell Wilson back. I could see it being a kitchen sink game for Seattle. They need to, to kind of win that game to potentially get themselves into the playoff picture. They're right on the edge. They're on the fringe. They would be in the hunt graphic, if you will. Uh, shout out to Big Cat. That's what you would see with the Seattle Seahawks at 3-5. and five. Minnesota Vikings also could be in that same scenario. So for the Packers, it's a little troublesome that they could have two teams who need a must-win um, with the Seahawks or the Vikings. Those teams could be in must-win scenarios. Um, I do think the Packers are better than both those teams. And then they have the Rams at home uh, after Thanksgiving. I think that will be a rowdy game. I think the Rams heading into the cold. I have questions. I know Matt Stafford has done it, but he hasn't. He was never really that good in the cold. So I do feel pretty good about that game, even though it's a premier matchup. It's one of the best on the NFL slate for the season, not just that week. But as a realistic non-homer, I expect Packers to lose one of those games. Then they have a bye week the last the last week of the five. I say 10 and 2 or 11 and 1. Um, I do think the Packers could run that table and could continue to win games. I, I mean, maybe it's my overall confidence in this football team, but I do think that there is a potential that they could win all of those games. Um, but I could see Seattle or Minnesota kitchen sink, throw everything at it, try to make yourself into the playoff race. Or you kind of get hot. You know, Seattle just had a really nice win against Jacksonville. I realize it's Jacksonville, but you have to understand, you're Geno Smith. You're only a four-point favorite. Nobody really was banking on you winning this game, and you blew them out. You won 31-7. to It was a great win for Seattle, in my opinion. And that could kind of spring springboard their season. Now, they have a lot of division games, and we'll talk about Seattle a few little bit more in this uh, in this segment. So for the Cowboys, they have the Broncos, Falcons at home. Then they go to Kansas City. Then they have the Raiders. Then they go to New Orleans. They have some tough games. Obviously, playing in Arrowhead and at the Superdome are not going to be easy. Uh, the Chiefs, as we just mentioned, shelve themselves. But it, it's not an easy game in the slightest. And yes, you do get the Broncos and Falcons, which is great. But the Raiders are also no slouch either. So the, the the Cowboys really have three out of five that are difficult. I think for Green Bay, all four, all four are difficult. Uh, the Broncos and Falcons both should be wins for for the Cowboys, but who knows? Maybe the Falcons do have a kitchen sink game in them. But now, not having Calvin Ridley as he's been battling some mental health issues, that is that's going to make the Falcons a lesser team. It just is. They they don't have the weapons that they used to. The Broncos have not been able to get it going offensively. I have no idea why they don't go to Drew Locke. Um, they definitely need to. Uh, so I do think that the Cowboys can come out of this either. Uh, 11 they could come out 11 and 1 they really could or they could come out 10 and 2 I think worst case 9 and 3 um I guess that would be if they do lose to that group of Chiefs Raiders New Orleans that's just 
sometimes when you're playing really good teams, at, at some point you're going to run out of gas. I could see that New Orleans game as a run out of gas game. It's a primetime game in New Orleans. We just saw the energy that New Orleans brought in that one. It's a Thursday night game, but it's they get a full week of rest. They do that a lot with Thanksgiving. It should be a hell of a game. Saints could be battling for playoff position. Who knows if they'll have Trevor Simeon. Who knows if they'll have somebody else that maybe make a deal for a quarterback. Uh, but the Saints... The Saints are going to be a tough out in that one. And we know that the Saints' underdogs have been something special. So I have the Cowboys at least losing one. I could definitely see two. Um, Is it possible they run the table? Maybe. But I I really don't see it. As for the Arizona Cardinals, the Cardinals have three road games. They also have a bye in there. They play the Panthers, which next week, two weeks from now, which... Probably is their easiest win on the schedule. But they have to go to San Francisco. They have to go to Seattle. And they have to go to Chicago. And now you'd say, Charlie, why didn't you put Chicago in that same vein, same vein as Carolina? Well, they have to go to Chicago in December as a West Coast team, as a warm weather team. That is not easy. I know Arizona has done it. I think they were okay last year in that scenario. But I, I really do think that that matters. I think that has to be considered. For Arizona. Uh, And I look at this and I say, all right, now you have two division games. You have a 49ers team that, again, is kind of trying to battle back, trying to make themselves into a playoff team. I thought they looked pretty good against the Bears um, after sort of waking up. The first half was a little rough, and then they kind of turned on the afterburners in the second. And I think Shanahan does have a coaching advantage over Cliff Kingsbury. Um, It's at home. Arizona still kind of reeling off that loss against Green Bay. Who knows? Maybe a little bit of a hangover. Murray has been been maybe banged up. Who knows? This is the, the time of year where Kyler Murray starts to kind of feel these injuries and we start to see, you know, the, the tide turn on Arizona. I do expect Arizona to have some struggles here. I think... I think best case for Arizona, it's 9-3. and three. I think worst case, it's 8-4. and four. I could really see Arizona sort of careening off. Still being a playoff team, but not necessarily being in this race when we have this conversation in December. Because I just look at that schedule, and it's two road division games. It's a chilly game in Chicago. Yeah, you get a bye, which is nice, but... That Panthers is really the only one that you look at and you say, okay, that's a guaranteed win. And who knows? Even then, Arizona, when you the, when you expect Arizona to win a game, they do tend to let you down. They're in that same category as a Bengals team, as we saw today, where they lost to the New York Jets and shocked everybody. It didn't really shock me. When I, when I saw the Bengals 11 and a half, I was like, guys, come on. It's a little, little too much. As for Tampa Bay, they're off next week. Um, But then they get kind of the lucky NFC East bump. They go to Washington. They're home against the Giants. They're at Indianapolis. And then they're at Atlanta. I think three of those four games are wins. Guaranteed. They could easily run that table also. Um, I I have Tampa 10-2 or 9-3. The only one that gives me a bit of pause is Indianapolis. Now, I know Indianapolis is 3-5. But I am pretty impressed with the Colts. I think the Colts are a good team. I don't know if they're a great team. Um, it's a tough place to play. Uh, their fans hate Tom Brady uh, during the New England indie days. Um, Brady likes to beat up on the Colts and Jim Irsay. It's all the deflate gate stuff, right? 
But we have seen the Buccaneers struggle on the road. That is the one game I look at at the schedule for Tampa, and I say well, that could be that could be some trouble. Like they could be in trouble for that one. Uh, but it's it is re- very realistic that Tampa runs the table, and they're ten and two heading into December because it's I don't know it's not really that easy. it's really not that hard of a schedule. It, it just isn't. There's a, another game where I look at it and say, okay, that could be trouble. Um, I felt like if you're playing the Giants on the road, if you flip Giants and Washington, maybe that's a, a scenario where you could struggle. But I think they're going to have no problem with the New York Giants at home, especially on a Monday night. Um, that should not be hard. Why are we giving the Giants a bunch of Monday night games, by the way? They're on Monday night tonight. We're going to give them a Monday night game in two weeks. That's kind of weird. Uh, but whatever. It, I guess it's whatever pays the bills at the, uh, the mothership, right? Last thing, uh, the Rams, who are outside of the division race, but they are they do have one loss, and if the Cardinals lose and they keep winning, they're going to be back up into the top of the NFC race. They play the Titans on Sunday Night Football next week. That should actually be a great game uh, between the two teams, but the Rams definitely have an advantage offense to defense as the Titans do not have any. They go 249 to San Francisco again. San Francisco has that opportunity to really sort of vault themselves into the race here with playing both Arizona and Los Angeles. They have a bye before they go to Chili Green Bay and then home for Jacksonville. I don't expect the Rams to win out. I think you could. I think if you look at the teams who best opportunities to win out, I think I'd say it's the Rams, Cowboys, Packers in that order. Um, I just with the Packers, I even though I said eleven and one, the more I'm thinking about all those games, there has to be a loss at some point. You can't be naive as a fan and say, all right, the Packers are going to go unscathed through the entire year. Um, they a loss is bound to happen at some point. So I would probably put it in that order. I'd probably put Green Bay over LA because I just think the Packers are going to beat the Rams. So I would say Green Bay, LA, it would be Dallas, or let's reset that. It would be Green Bay, LA, Dallas. I think Dallas, just because Dallas has five games and the the other two have four. So I think it's a sum of all parts. And I, I look at the Rams schedule and I say, I really like them against the Titans next week. Titans coming off an emotional division game like Titans have played three straight emotional football games you know they beat the Chiefs they beat beat the Bills now they've they've beat the Colts and now they're the top team in the AFC which is fucking absurd shows you what the AFC is right now Uh, but I just don't think from a defense standpoint they'll be able to keep up with what the Rams have so I could see the Rams running the table but I think it is very likely they lose to the Packers and but the Rams still will be leading the NFC West. I think when dis, the dust is settled in December. So if you, oh, I forgot Tampa Bay. So I, but Tampa Bay already has two losses, so they would not be a one-loss team. So if I had to handicap it, I guess how I would see it, it would be. I think Green Bay still is the one seed in December. Call me a homer. I don't really care. I think, and I don't know how tiebreakers work. So forgive me for that. So I would say Green Bay. LA, Tampa, Dallas, Arizona. That would be my order. Um, and I think that's how how we're shaping up. I know it's November, but looking at uh, the playoff race and seeing, okay, Tampa and LA, r- round one would be a premier game of the of the weekend. 
And if the Rams or if the Buccaneers were to win and it were to go chalk, then it would be Packers Bucks in the division round. So there would be no room, no room waiting. Uh, it would be Brady Rogers all over again in Lambeau, but with a full crowd. So we'll see. But I won't be scared of it. I guarantee you, I will not. And we'll just sort of see what happens. But yeah, long way to go. Uh, it looks all right for the Packers. This next stretch is easily their toughest, but I do think they can come out ahead. Let's move on to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks had a bad weekend. Uh, they did not score 100 points in either of their games. They lost to the San Antonio Spurs. They lost to the Utah Jazz. The Bucks have now lost three straight games uh, after losing to Minnesota as well on Wednesday night. There is no reason to panic about the Milwaukee Bucks. I get that you want to. I get that you would have this scenario where you're looking at three and four and you're like, oh my God, this is a bad situation. But if you look at who played yesterday, it was just Giannis, Chris Middleton sick, Drew Holiday still battling ankle injury, Brooke still battling his back problem. We don't know exactly what's going on with Brooke's back. I feel like we're kind of deserve answers at this point. I, I had uh, my guy Mickey shout me out uh, yesterday, or no, it was Saturday. I was far too drunk to answer him, but he was like, what is up with Burke's back? And I'm like, I, I really don't know. And I think at this point, we deserve some answers to be like, all right, is this going to be a month-long thing? Is this going to be a couple more games thing? Like, where, are we, where do we sit with these injuries? I think what's frustrating about... The NBA versus even the NFL now and Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball is great with injuries because we kind of just know, all right? This guy's going to go on a 10-day IL. This guy's going to go on a 60-day IL, all right? And we know what, and now granted, you can go longer than 10 days, but you kind of at least know, all right, this guy's out for 10 days. For NFL now with these short-term IRs, they have the three weeks of going on IR. It's almost like a disabled list, right? And it's like, all right, you're going to go on injury reserve for three weeks. We know you're out for three weeks. And then the best case scenario, you can come back in that fourth week. And we all know that. That is actually great because it, it leaves less guessing. But right now, we have no idea when Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez are going to be coming back. You would assume Holiday's injury was suffered last week. Again, if you just do a 10-day DL, right? Holiday's injury was last week. So maybe he's back for the Pistons or maybe he's back for the New York Knicks. That would be a huge lift. Um, and then Brooke Lopez, he's been down since that Brooklyn game, which was now two weeks ago. And that's where I'm like, all right, we need answers. Like, if you think about yourself and when you get hurt, if you ever have an injury, I don't know if you guys do it this way, but if I ever hurt myself, I look at it as, all right, I have two weeks before I go see a doctor. And if I feel better in two weeks, I won't see a doctor. Like I fucked up my shoulder two Fridays ago lifting and it sucked. It really hurt. I really like, it was probably just a strain. It was a tweak, whatever, but it feels fine now. And if I would have been still in pain, still in this unbearable situation with my shoulder, I would have probably went to go see a doctor. So that's where I look at it like, all right, Brooks had a bad back for two weeks now. So is this a back injury that he's not going to play till Christmas? Or is it a back injury that he's going to be back this week? I think we deserve that as fans. I hate being kept in the dark. And I think basketball has a problem with that. 
But yeah, I would not panic about this basketball team, all right? Like you look at the box score from last night. Thanasis shot 15 times. Bobby Porter shot 15 times. I love Bobby, but Bobby should not be shooting 15 times in a basketball game. It just didn't happen. You had Grayson Allen shooting 15, almost 15. Like, it's just a team right now that is not good. This is not a good basketball team right now. Justin Robinson, granted, he had nine points. He was 4 of 7. He played 24 minutes. Justin Robinson should not be playing 24 minutes. Just should not be happening. Mamu should not really be out there. He was only out there for five minutes, but still, Mamu should not be out there. The starting lineup was George Hill, Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen, Thanasis Antetokounmpo, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's not a good lineup at all. Like, the Bucs should be credited with fighting against Utah. Like, they, they actually played good defensively. Like, Utah did not shoot the ball well. They had tired legs. They were coming off a back-to-back against Chicago, but they they were 12 of 37 from three. So the Bucks at least did a pretty good job of containing Utah from the three-point line. But yeah, everything else was kind of a disaster, and it's, it's to be expected, right? Like, you don't have all your guys. You are completely empty right now. So I think the jury is still out on the Bucs. And weirdly, the Bucs are kind of the team right now that is the most banged up out of the contenders, right? Brooklyn has the Kyrie thing, but Brooklyn's running at full steam other than that. James Harden has his foul issues and that has become a problem when they actually play good teams, but it really isn't that big of a deal. Philly has Embiid. They just blew out the Hawks. I thought that was really impressive. And they still kind of have have their dudes, right? Same with the Hawks. They have their guys. And you look over at the West and you're like, all right, the Lakers might be full of old dudes and full of just new guys, but they're playing all right basketball after their kind of rough start. They've sort of figured it out. The other team that struggled so far has been the Suns. So maybe it is a little bit of that. The, the layoff is so short. And you had Devin Booker, who played in the Olympics. You had Middleton, who played in the Olympics. So did Drew Holiday. And maybe that's starting to get to both of those teams. And you're seeing that play out in the first month of the season. I'm not saying the Suns are going to be bad all year, nor am I saying the Bucks are going to be bad all year. I know the Bucks are going to get healthy. I just hope it's not a scenario where it's a turnstile. Where it's like, all right, Drew Holiday's back, but Chris Middleton's still sick, Right? Like, if that happens. Now, he has a non-COVID illness. Who knows? Maybe he got food poisoning. Maybe he, you know, had had a bad migraine. Who knows what what it could be. But I would assume Middleton will be back on Tuesday against the Pistons. I Hopefully, Holiday could, could appear on Tuesday. That would be great. And then you have the Knicks on, on Friday. And then you have the Wizards on Sunday. And that's in Washington. Uh, so, they've probably two tough games with New York and Washington. I don't know if I'd consider Washington a tough game. They're playing all right basketball. They beat the Hawks at home. Um, they, they're playing a little bit better, I think, than people expected them. They have a they have quite a roster. I think they have a roster of NBA guys, like the, you know, Kuzma, Harrell, Bradley Beal. Like, they have dudes. Um, so I do think that the Wizards can can win basketball games this year. I don't know if they're, their ceiling's probably a five seed, right? But they're going to give the Bucs a game. So 
get right spot against the Pistons, even if you don't have your dudes. And then you have the Knicks, which I a it's ESPN. You don't want to get embarrassed. The Knicks are playing really good basketball right now. They're they're firing from three, which makes me nervous. And you you saw last year the Knicks were able to beat the Bucks in a game where they just could not miss from deep. Um, so hopefully history does not repeat itself. Should be a rocking crowd though at the Fiserv Friday night. Uh, the vibe should be good. I do think you'll get a little bit of people at high school games because high school football is rocking, but I don't think that will deter too many. Um, so should have a good crowd for Bucks Nets or Bucks Knicks, excuse me, on Friday night. But yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna push the panic button. I think it's gonna take a lot for me to push the panic button. We have to get pretty deep into this season before I start worrying about it. Uh, we have 82 games to remember. Last year, we had a few, I think, what, was 70? I can't remember how many games there were last year. Uh, but that that's another reason why there is no reason to hit that panic button and say, oh my God, the Bucks are absolutely screwed. Last thing to wrap us up for today's show. The Wisconsin Badgers had another nice win against the Iowa Hawkeyes. I don't know if the Badgers ended up getting themselves ranked. I would kind of assume that Wisconsin would find themselves in the top 25 now that they, now they've had some nice wins. They beat Purdue last week. They beat Iowa this week. Uh, it's 27 to seven. It wasn't even close. No, Wisconsin actually is not yet into the top 25. They were in that others receiving votes. Uh, they received 91 votes in the AP Top 25. And in the coaches poll, they only received 26. So the coaches are kind of down on Wisconsin compared to the media. The media definitely thinks Wisconsin deserves to be in the mix, uh, but they are currently not. They are in the others receiving votes category for the time being. We'll see if Wisconsin can get there after they play Rutgers. Now, for the Badgers, it's kind of unfortunate they played their schedule when they did. I, w I went to the game. I, th I was really impressed with their defense. I realize Iowa has a piss-poor offense. I realize Spencer Petrius might not be the answer for them at quarterback, but they were in his grill all day. Like, say what you want about the quarterback. The Badgers' pass rush brought it from really start to finish. And they have really sort of figured out how to use their guys. Like Jim Leonard is definitely in his bag, if you will, uh, in how to use the, the front seven. Because they are at the quarterback's ass really almost every time they're stepping back to pass. And they're making it extremely hard on defenses. They're also, or offenses. They're also opportunistic. They forced a couple turnovers from Iowa, who does, usually plays mistake free football. They made Iowa's life really tough. You know, they have a very good interior line. They have an All American center. It did not feel that way uh, on Saturday. It was total domination by the Badgers. They were the ones that looked like the top 10 team, not Iowa. Now, I know. I know the Badgers were favored, so I'm not saying like this is a top 10 win for Wisconsin. It is, but it's not It's not as significant. But Wisconsin looked like a, the team that they were supposed to, they were projected at the start of the season. Did Graham Mertz look great? Not really. He had a great first drive. I thought the script that Paul Christ had was excellent. Now, how do you take that script and you work it for the rest of the game? I think that's the next step 
with Graham Mertz, as you're trying to make Graham Mertz into a better quarterback. I think it's there at times. I just think he gets too excited sometimes. He overthrows dudes. I think sometimes he fits things in the tight windows when he doesn't need to. When you're like, you have Braylon Allen back there. Braylon Allen's a fucking stud. He had over 100 yards again. The guy is 17 years old and he's playing college football. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, that story, I think, has been kind of underreported nationally. I think locally we were talking about it. But Braylon Allen is going to be the future of Wisconsin. He is a potential Heisman. He's probably the closest thing to Derrick Henry I think I've seen in a football player. I, I do agree with like Bill Simmons who said Derrick Henry is a unicorn. I think that's true. But I don't think there there is anyone that I've seen as close to Henry as Braylon Allen. And Braylon Allen's a workout warrior. And yeah, at some point you might have to tell Braylon Allen like, hey, dude, like you can just sort of chill out. Like you don't need to go all all in here. But yeah, I think Wisconsin is very talented. I think Wisconsin right now is the Big Ten West favorite. They do have to play Minnesota at the end of the year. Minnesota is playing really good football. Uh, they lost another running back, but. They are on fire. They're wagon right now. Uh, kind of similarly with the Badgers, sort of not getting the respect that they deserve. I think part of that is because they lost to Bowling Green in the, in the early part of the season. And that's sort of being held against them. But I don't know if that's fair. I mean, Minnesota right now is leading the Big Ten West. And they've played really good ball. And it's going to come down to the Badgers and Gophers probably at the end of, at the end of November, barring anything crazy. Because you look at Minnesota's schedule for the next few weeks, they do have to go to Iowa uh, in two weeks, which will be a really good game. Uh, but home against Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, and then home against Wisconsin. So that that Wisconsin game should probably decide the Big Ten West, unless they were to have a slip up against Indiana or Illinois. But I don't, I don't expect that on Minnesota. They're playing really good football, as mentioned. They've won their last four games after that Bowling Green disaster uh, in the early part of September. And it, you look at the Badger schedule, and I know we've done a lot with schedules today, but it's like, man, if you just would have had one of Penn State and Notre Dame at the beginning part of the season, I think at least one of those could have been a win for Wisconsin if they were playing them in October. And if you let's just swap Northwestern for Penn State, okay? And let's say they open up the season with Northwestern and they are playing Penn State in two weeks. I think Wisconsin would have had a real shot against Penn State. I think Penn State was impressive against Ohio State. They held it together. I thought that line was crazy. I thought people overreacted a lot to Ohio State sort of beating up on the sisters of the poor in college football. So then I look at it and I'm like, well, Ohio State, you know, had, or Penn State would be a vulnerable team for the Badgers to play uh, here in November. And if you had to just play Notre Dame, and again, like Dan Orlowski mentioned it, they're three or four plays away from being a one-loss team. Michigan, they got their ass kicked, all right? No no question about it. That was a Michigan ass kicking. I will give that to Michigan. But you look at Penn State, you look at Notre Dame, like that kick return doesn't happen. Or they're able to be competent in the red zone against Penn State. Those easily could be wins. And we could be talking about a one-loss Badger team that could, if they run the table, play their way into the college football playoff. But instead, Wisconsin has three losses. They're A, not going to be in the playoff. And the best case scenario for them could be the Rose Bowl. But even then, I think they would choose a Big Ten East team. Like, I don't think 
the Badgers will get into the Rose Bowl. I think their ceiling might be the Capital One Bowl um, because I don't I don't see them being the Rose Bowl participant. For example, if you end up seeing it being, let's just say it's Michigan State or Ohio State and Wisconsin for the Big Ten title, and Wisconsin were to lose that game, if they be, I'll, okay, I'll I'll revert. If they were to win that game, they would get into the Rose Bowl. But if they were to lose that game, I don't think they're like, okay, we're going to have that team represent. Likely, Ohio State or Michigan State goes into the college football playoff, and then the one that isn't there ends up being the the Rose Bowl team. I looked at bowl projections yesterday because I have a problem. I, I love bowl projections. I'm a slut for bowl projections and coaching carousels. Anytime you have either of those, you'll get a click from me. And right now, Wisconsin's in the Vegas Bowl, which would be a lot of fun for a lot of my Badger fan friends, or uh, the Outback Bowl, which they've done many a times. But a good matchup with them in Texas a and So I think Wisconsin is very unlikely to go to the Rose Bowl, but that, to me, should be the goal for this Badger team going forward. Should be winning the Big Ten West and maybe winning the Big Ten Championship. I would argue that either playing Michigan State or, or Ohio State, or maybe Michigan for that matter, there will be nothing to lose for the Badgers. The Badgers will have complete house money. All the pressure will be on that other side, other sideline because it's likely they will be fighting for a playoff spot. So we'll just have to see what happens. But it's definitely a turning of the corner for the Badgers. And Paul Christ and his coaching staff deserve a ton of credit for kind of writing this ship because I think everybody was out on Wisconsin a month ago. And now I think everybody's back in. That does it for today's show. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk about, I'm sure, you know, Chiefs observations uh, from the Giants-Chiefs game and anything else that comes across the wire uh, on Tuesday. Trade deadline is Tuesday too, so maybe a little preview of that as well. Um, and then the next day we'll talk about if the Packers make any moves. They usually don't. All right, guys, take care of yourself. Have a great Monday. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.